0: Podcast. I'm Emily Inouye Huey. I'm
1: Candace Buford.
0: I'm Charity Elise.
2: I'm Lake and Zaya Kemp.
0: And this week, Jamie Ophelia is not able to be with us, so we have a guest with us, Monica Rodriguez. Monica, could you introduce yourself for us?
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Monica. I'm a first-gen Mexican-American writer who's repped by Alyssa Hankin at Bridge Path Literary. I enjoy writing about self-love, identity, and family dynamics, as well as red flags in attempted relationships. And I fell in love with writing again through my blog that I started back in 2016, where I love to remind myself first, but then also people, how lovely they are. Over at findalovelylife.com, it focuses on self-love, mental health, books, and travel. In addition to my writing, I'm also a junior agent and director of brand management at Context Literary, where I'm on a mission to uplift underrepresented voices in publishing, specifically within the Latinx community. I'm currently on submission with my debut Latinx YA rom-com, and I have 12 clients as an agent and sold my first book this summer
0: we are so excited to have you with us thank you so much monica let's just jump right in let's check in on our last month and let's start with what were your publishing highs and lows this month uh candace will you go first
1: my publishing highs this month i got paid So woohoo, I'm obviously really relieved and ecstatic about that. And then it follows that things are moving along in my household projects. So that's really cool. I've been waiting all year to do some of these things. So it's good to kind of get that momentum started again. And something weird happened last night, which I'm just going to count this as a publishing high we went to see this band play at the Paramount last night, St. Paul and the Broken Bones. And Jonathan knew the trumpet player and his parents were also in town, the trumpet player's parents. So we like went backstage after the show and had this kind of small town reunion with the bandmates who a lot of them are from Alabama. And I had one of the best literary discussions with the bass player, Jesse. Honest to God, we were talking about story structure and characterization and the history of land theft in America, which is a huge part of one of my books that just came out, Good as Gold. And we talked about you know, the the culture of being creatives in an industry with heavy gatekeeping. It was so surreal, but really amazing to have that connection and then just like, you know, talk writing. And then we ate a bunch of Franklin's barbecue that they couldn't fit into their tour bus. <laughs> so a strangely literary and delicious night last night. So that was a high. My publishing lows. I mean, the huge... I'm in the process of mapping out a new chapter in my career. I'm adding adult and picture book and possibly screenwriting. And there are some growing pains there. Had a really good but heavy chat with my agent about what we were going to do moving forward and whether or not we could grow together. And it was a lot. I'm still digesting all of that. I'm still, you know, trying to envision like what my future career is going to look like. So that's it for me for now. But it's definitely a to be continued situation.
0: I am so happy that you got paid. We have been following this journey for a while now. We're all like pumping our arms. (laughs) Uh, Amen. (laughs) And, And I love what you said also about your chat with this band member because Being an artist really is more than a profession, it's an identity. And like, we need those kind of connections and those opportunities to grow in those ways so that we can feed our work. Charity, would you be willing to update us next?
4: My pub high is taking a break from writing. I took a break this entire time that, you know, we've been apart and it was so good for me. Everyone knows I've been talking about how hard it's been writing this book with the genre switch and everything. And so I got so stressed that I was like, if anything else outside of publishing stresses me out, I stopped doing it. And so writing, something that I love so much, started to stress me out. So I took a break and I just kicked back with my family, my fiance. We started looking at more wedding venues, which was exciting. And it's so great because this morning we went out to Princeton, New Jersey, and We went to an indie book shop called Labyrinth Books and I found so many cool books that are in relation to what I'm writing about in this like mystery prep school story that I'm working on and obviously it's at Princeton University and so I was like peeping in their textbooks and I found so much history about the town that I didn't even know. There was a book called like Black Voices of Princeton, New Jersey and it talked about a lot of the racism and things that Black people were going through when they were moving there in like the 1920s. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is really helping with my book. And I think I learned taking a break sometimes from our writing and just like going to bookstores and looking around, we can find more inspiration when we're not just like staring at our computer screens and that little like cursor that's blinking on and off. So that was really helpful for me. And I don't have a publishing low because I haven't been thinking about publishing.
0: So (laughs) it's been great. I love that you see your break as your high because I actually am coming in today feeling like almost the opposite where that's like my low. But I'd love that you can see it that way and that like you got something out of it and that we can talk about balance here because that's part of what we are trying to be transparent about.
4: Balance and boundaries. And so like setting boundaries with myself, (laughs) my writing has been really helpful. And I'm approaching this manuscript now with like new ideas and a fresh outlook. And so I'm excited to start
2: working on it again. Lakin, can we come to you next? I'm going to start with my low and then build. For my low, we talked a few episodes ago about royalty statements and how difficult they are to read and understand. And I mentioned that I was expecting to get a royalty statement soon for my debut picture book because I was under the impression, based on what I can see in my author portal, that that book had earned out. And unfortunately, I found out that I was mistaken, (laughs) like big time. So, A Crown for Corina has sold almost 27,000 copies since February, which is really great, especially being my debut in this category, but a big portion of those sales were to Scholastic book fairs. In case you didn't know, even if your book isn't published by Scholastic, your book can still make it into the fair. Basically, your publisher will pitch your book to the book fair arm of Scholastic, which is separate from Scholastic the publisher, and then they'll decide if they want to include your book in the fair. Scholastic purchased about 13,000 copies of a Crown for Corina, and I knew they were purchasing them at a discount, but I had no idea how steep that discount was until I got my royalty statement. So basically with my normal royalty rate, A little less than a dollar from each copy purchase goes towards paying back my advance. But because of the discount Scholastic received, it basically cut my royalties in half. So even though my advance was not a very big advance, I'm still pretty far off from earning out. And that was definitely a disappointment, especially since that money would have been really helpful. But now onto my high. What I'm about to say is going to be the perfect example of how drastic The highs and lows are in traditional publishing. When you hear authors talk about how much of an emotional roller coaster it is, they are not exaggerating. So, in last month's episode, you all heard me basically in the midst of a mental breakdown. I was in a really low place and feeling really trapped. And as of that recording, which was on October 8th, my book that I'd been referring to as the book club book had been out on sub for a week. And this is where things get wild. So we went out on sub on Monday, October 2nd. We got our first request for an editor call on Monday, October 9th. And the book went to auction on Tuesday, October 24th. So the emotional pendulum just swung completely in the opposite direction. And I went from being so low to so high. And honestly, I feel like that is publishing in a nutshell. Like one minute you are on top of the world and one minute you're like underneath the earth. (laughs) And there's very little you can do about it. I'm obviously really glad that this happened. I'm grateful that this book has found a home, but because I know that eventually that pendulum will swing back, this situation has really reminded me how dangerous it is to have my identity and my self-esteem tied up so much in my author career. I don't want my mental health to be so affected by publishing. And so that's something that I'm going to have to work on. But for now, I am relieved to finally have a high to share and, and something worth celebrating.
0: Oh, well, we're absolutely celebrating with you but also thank you. Yes. Here, here. <laughs> Congratulations. I've been talking about this with other people too. It's, it's really kind of in some ways, a really toxic field and it's really hard mm-hmm. to figure out who you are when you're always doing all the work and then being like, please, please, you know, yeah, so, please. Yeah. Love Except me. Work that I've already done. <laughs> Any other job you go to work and you get paid for the hours you do versus doing all the work and then hoping.
3: Anyway, Monica, would you like to go next? Yeah, it kind of ties to Lakin's point. My high this month, sometimes I have to create it myself because so much is out of my control in publishing that if I start to kind of like feel that pendulum go a little too far south, I have to think of the only thing that motivates that high back again. And that's the reason why I started this publishing journey in the first place. And that's because I'm a writer, that's my soul. And I love books and I love reading and amplifying other voices, but I was sort of losing the balance between my soul and my mind. And my mind is like the agenting hat that I wear as well. And so my high this month is that I started writing consistently again, and I've been writing for four days in a row, which is a pretty big milestone for me. I don't really write consistently because I wear a lot of hats and just sort of throw around the wheel of priorities and wherever it spins that day, that's sort of like where it lands. But after not being able to get back into writing for about six months, after I let go of my pandemic manuscript baby, that was the one that went out on sub with my agent in June, I wanted to take a break from writing, which I usually do, and love charities high of that because that's always high for me too yeah i get to take a break and then my downfall is that sometimes i sort of take the break longer than it should be and i'm almost like a saboteur to myself and my mental health because writing is such a mental health pulse for me at times so i was writing things on my blog and you know pitching articles to different media outlets for extra cash but there was a sort of like looming dread on starting my next novel And I kind of like made it become that huge marshmallow blob thing from Ghostbusters. And it just was like taking over the city in my brain. And the biggest hurdle is always kind of getting out of that anxiety and into the zone. And as I'm reminded of myself, like, oh, once I'm in the zone, it's easier for me to sort of get back and be able to plug in and plug out a lot easier. And so the high for me was just kind of getting over the marshmallow blob that I created for six months. But the low also kind of ties to just like the unpredictability of the timing of this industry and the slowness of publishing sometimes makes me question as a writer if I should be writing in the category that I'm writing in or telling the stories that I'm drawn to telling as a writer and if that makes sense and how hard it can be to sort of straddle between having hope and that anticipation of a pivot to the next thing to kind of keep the motorboat going. I haven't heard from any editors that have my book that's out on sub right now since August, which that was the last rejection that my agent forwarded me. I still have six editors that have it on my initial list. So that feeds the hope a little bit. And my agent and I are planning a strategy session next month to kind of go out in January with a bigger submission for six months. So it's not dead yet. It's getting harder and harder to hear the heartbeat. And I think I tend to neglect writing a Lot because there's so much unknown. And so it can feel out of my control instead of why writing is so important to me. And that's the healing element that it brings.
2: This is exactly what I was dealing with last month, just a mm-hmm. lack of motivation, because it felt like things were so stagnant. And I'm just curious, do you feel like because the agent side of you is so deeply entrenched in the market mm-hmm. aspect of things? Like,
3: is that a distraction for you? I think it definitely makes it harder in the writing process of it, but it also helps me because the more that I edit my clients' manuscripts, the more that I become a better writer myself. I have a marketing background over 10 years of tracking trends and being in the know, wearing two different hats, I think helps me do each job better. But I think kind of like when you're working out and you're really doing, you know, one arm a little bit too much. I think I was sort of using all of the skills that I've had, whether it was marketing, writing to kind of build my agenting career. And I wasn't really working out the other arm as much. And so it just kind of felt imbalanced. I don't think that agenting affects it in a negative way only because I am a better writer because I am an agent. It's just my anxiety of not wanting to write when I know I should be writing. So it's more of a mental health sort of blockage, not necessarily, oh, well this isn't selling or the market's going this way because even as an agent I don't really look at trends that way because when I sell a book that's going to come out in like 2-3 years, sometimes longer if it's a graphic novel. So I always say the only trend you should be writing to is authenticity because that's the only thing that's gonna remain strong forever. So it's more so my own demise and not the industry, unfortunately.
0: Oh, so much I identify with in what you're saying. You know what you said that I loved was that it's getting harder to hear the heartbeat. It's a beautiful way. You're obviously an author <laughs> um, to put it, but I, uh, <laughs> that's really kind of how I'm feeling right now. I have a book that's being put together, but my part is done now. I have all those edits, all the little things, all the like sign-offs I've done, and it's in the hands of the publisher. And so right now I'm in a period of just drafting, and we'll get into this more later, but it's hard right now. My drafts are not going super well. So I find that I'm in one of those places where I'm not really focused on the publishing. I'm just in the trenches of writing. And I would say that's both my high and my low. It's my low in that Sometimes it's really hard without those little pulses, those the heartbeat, to keep realizing why you're doing it, especially if you've started to do it for professional reasons instead of just for the love of it, right? But I find on the other hand that it also reminds me why I write. And, and, my, and my high this, this month is just that I have kept writing. And there have been a lot of times when I haven't, you know, where it's like slipped for a while or whatever, but getting back into it for it, the wrestle, for that wrestle with the page is, kind of cool in the same way that doing a nice plunge is cool miserable but like kind of amazing right? so that's kind of where i am this month with this question so let's go ahead and go to our next question give us an update on your work in progress for the past month i've made some good progress
1: on my ida b wells biography it's a tough read. Honestly, the other day, I met up to write with Lakin and Monica and Maria, and I just ended up reading Ida B. Wells's autobiography in the company of others because I didn't want to read That section alone. And I really do need to read the primary source of this autobiography in order to inform what I'm writing. It's one of those situations I got to do it, but I didn't want to do it alone. So it was nice to have them there. I think between the horrors of the news cycle right now and the horrors of lynching, I don't have a lot of built in levity in my life right now. So that's been really tricky to navigate. The second thing that I'm immediately working on right now is my short story for Dahlia Adler's next anthology. It's my first short story, so no pressure. (laughs) It's going to be published. I think it's good right now, but it's due in a couple weeks and I guess Dahlia will be the judge of that. So we'll see. I'm going to be
4: working on my whip again, obviously, probably after this phone call. After my little break, I have a new outlook and perspective on this manuscript, and I'm really excited to continue forming my story and characters with new eyes inspired by the experience of so many Black men, women, and children that have lived in this city before me. I think for so long, I've been comparing my unfinished work to other authors edited and published works. And I've been so frustrated with my first draft that I've allowed it to fill me with imposter syndrome, a sour stomach, fear, and depression. I've questioned my ability to write and felt like my debut was all I had in me. I'm not the same person I was when I wrote Other Side of the Tracks, obviously. So I can't keep trying to revive that spark that I had before. I burnt myself out trying to search for that old spark. But now, after taking a step back, I feel more hopeful and in control of the story. I say in control because it goes back to the imposter syndrome that I experienced. This break has allowed me to invest in my friendships instead of always canceling plans to write. I've gone to new bookstores, seen the Taylor Swift concert movie twice. I've spent time with my family and my fiance, and I've gotten to know myself all over again through doing the things that make me happy. So, like Lakin said earlier, I remembered that. I'm more than an author. I'm a new version of myself, not who I was in college when I wrote Other Side of the Tracks. So my words will flow different, and that's okay. So writing now feels like less of a job, and it feels like a private getaway. And so in short, I'm excited to start writing my story without being too much of a
1: perfectionist.
0: That's awesome. Tears. <laughs> that's beautiful. No
1: joke. I, I kind of teared up on that. That hit hard. That hit home.
0: Virtual
2: hug. (laughs) Virtual hug. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so glad that there's so many of us (laughs) sharing our journeys on this podcast because when one of us is low, it's very likely that another one of us is high. And I think that balance is really important to show. There's been some discourse on threads lately. I don't know if any of you have seen it. <laughs> it's it's becoming very similar to Twitter in the old days when there was a lot of like discourse about traditional publishing versus self-publishing. And I saw another author post that on the one hand, they think transparency is really important, but on the other, they don't want especially marginalized creators to become too discouraged by the things they hear and see us talking about. And so that's another reason why I'm just so grateful for this platform. The episode that is about to go up tomorrow as of this recording, like I said earlier, it reflects me in a really dark place, but it gives me more permission to stand in my truth and my vulnerability when I know that my voice is not the only one that's being listened to. I was low last month. I'm feeling better this month. And everyone who's feeling great today might have a low month next month. And that's totally fine. That's just the gig.
1: Preach, girl.
2: So here's my update. I recently wrapped up my chapter for the co-written middle grade project that I've been working on. So we each drafted a chapter from our respective POV characters. We met over Zoom to share notes and then we revised those chapters. And because it's now November, which is encroaching on the holiday season, which is a slower time in publishing, this project is basically just waiting for the new year so we can finally sub it. So that's really exciting. And I'm looking forward to getting our agents together and collaborating on that final submission list. And then for the horse book, took me a while to get back into drafting, but I was able to add about 6,500 words since our last recording. Most of those from just the past week and a half, which brings my total to about 37,000. But I'm really happy with that considering I didn't make any progress on it for almost a month. So it feels really nice to be back in the saddle with this book, pun intended.
0: What you're saying about like showing a diversity of experiences, same with output, because man, every time I hear your output, I'm like, okay, we live in two different realms. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's awesome, Lincoln.
3: My update on my work in progress, it's November, so I've done NanoRIMO before, which stands for National Novel Writing Month, and I didn't like how it made me feel. Usually the goal for that is to finish a full draft, and it's not good for my mental health to pressure myself to do that. I'm the kind of writer that I need to sort of rewrite as I write, and that's just how my brain works. I can't just put a placeholder. I just can't write that way. And so Lakin actually had reminded me about Clarabelle Ortega's Finish Your Book Fall, which is a gentler, sort of cozier writing challenge that is pro mental health in setting yourself up for habits that you should be consistently having good boundaries for with writing when you you know enter different levels of your publishing career and it starts on the first day of fall and ends on the last day of fall which i'm a little bit late in the game but they're so nice they welcomed me so well on tiktok when i posted about it and so i felt like these are my people i'm going to basically write as much as i can my goal initially for this month was to kind of build that habit of showing up to the page every day. And so I gotta give a shout out to Duolingo for prepping me for that marathon because I'm on a 40 day streak there. But I think the book that I'm currently working on right now, it was hard to kind of get back into it because surprise, it's another identity story. <laughs> I kind of soft pitch it as a coming of age novel set in college about a girl who struggles with her Latina identity and not feeling enough, story of my life. I was writing it back when I was querying the current book that I have out on sub with my agent. So I had about 45K back when I was querying this other book took a pause on that once I ended up signing with my agent and we did quite a bit of edits on that manuscript that's out on Sub Now. So after polishing that one up, I sort of took that writing break and it was really hard to get back into it. And every time I'd open up the document, I kind of felt myself digging deeper and deeper into the mud because I was working off an old revision that was in third person. And it wasn't until the main character sort of really wanted to take over and rewrite it for me in first person that I realized that the book actually needed to be in first person. And so I've been working on editing it to first person. I have part one planned out. I'm about a third of the way done. I kind of have a sense of where I want it to go and what I want to add to it from what I already have. I tend to be sort of like more of a plotter that takes the scenic route so like i have my instructions i know where i'm going but if my main character sort of wants to take a left turn and add a scene in i kind of let it happen like oh you actually want a monologue thing here okay go for it we'll see how that goes. and i kind of let her drive and sort of channel her and it's been fun. It's still in the early stages where you're still sort of trying to find the voice of the character versus like your voice. And then she'll sort of like hijack a memory or experience of mine. And I'll be like, whoa, consent. I don't know (laughs) if I want to share that, but cool. So yeah, that's where I'm at. We're working out our relationship.
0: Um, So I was kind of in a very different place this month. It's just been a rough month. So I actually went to a retreat and put all this time into writing and I came back with less words than I had before I left because I basically spent the week culling words. I don't know what it is that's so demoralizing about that. I need to remember that it's still progress. If they're the wrong words, then it's still progress, but there is something so demoralizing about paying money, going and spending all this time, your precious time that you have, for me, I'm a mom and stuff, so this is like the time when I can get a ton done and I came back with less and I don't know. There was just something really demoralizing about that, but I have to just remember it's part of the process, right? And that's what we do here is we talk about this. I've loved having the chance to get together with you guys and realize that I'm not alone, that we all kind of go through these different things and like what Lincoln said, we have a diversity of experiences and then within our own experiences, you know, we have our ups and our downs and so that's where I am this month, but that's okay. Maybe next month, maybe a couple months from now there will be a better day. So we'll see when that happens. All right, let's go to talking about anything that we have out on sub or that we've recently sold. For sold projects, what stage are they in in terms of the projection process?
1: I don't have much to report on sub. We had a couple editors send over some questions to my agent about my submission and expressed interest in it. I submitted just the first six chapters, so I think they wanted to draw a little bit more out of me than what was on my synopsis, aka the what's to come for the rest of the document. So I don't necessarily count it as a win. I'll count it as a win when I get that contract, but I am still... Cautiously optimistic. And I would like to express gratitude to the editors that did reach out with some interest. So it's a good sign, but then it's a bunch of more waiting. So nothing really to report.
4: Besides the mystery manuscript, it's been a roller coaster that will hopefully be with my editor by next month. I've been thinking a lot about a middle grade, I started a few years ago. I actually started in finished, it's completely finished. And I've been playing around with the idea of editing it and reviving it again. So
2: hopefully that will be on sub one of these days. I have no idea when this recently sold project will be announced. I'm going to assume that it'll take at least four to six months to hash out the contract. And because I sold this book on proposal, I will not be resuming work on it until that contract is finalized. Right now, the working due date for the first draft is June, and if I get the contract in January or February, I think that's doable. But in the meantime, that's on ice. Something really exciting happened this past month, and that was that I got to see final art for Desert Song, which is my upcoming picture book illustrated by Beatriz Gutierrez Hernandez, and the final color images were breathtaking. I got to see the interior illustrations, obviously, but then, you know, there's the end papers and the casing and the flap jacket and the cover, and I love it so much, and I'm just really hoping that now that everything is finalized, maybe they'll be debuting it at ALA Midwinter, which happens at the beginning of the year. I think in 2024, it'll be in early February, but I'm just ready to start shouting about that book, and I'm even more excited to share it now that the art is finished and that it turned out so beautifully i also have an update on that scholastic project that i mentioned previously so just to quickly recap i sold a book to them as part of a two book deal last year this summer a book similar to one i sold to them was announced which caused some issues and i really tried to rewrite the concept according to what they wanted but it just wasn't working on the one hand i felt like i was being asked to make changes not because they served the story but because of their fear that it would be too similar to this other book that was announced which again none of us had even read so it just wasn't really allowing me to work in a way that felt natural or true to my instincts and because of that i made the decision to pull that manuscript and write something else so the new manuscript is a completely different story about a completely different topic and luckily, my Scholastic editor really liked it, so she was willing to move forward with that one instead. So on the plus side, that means we can move forward with revisions, and hopefully I can get that delivery and acceptance payment sooner rather than later. But on the downside, I now have this other manuscript that I don't know what's going to happen to it. And speaking of picture book manuscripts, something unexpected that happened this past month was that in the midst of my despair, I was obviously struggling to get back into the horse book and I decided to pivot and try tackling a picture book idea that I'd had for a couple of years. I'm not sure if I've mentioned before that for me, picture books tend to come in sort of one fell swoop. I will spend months or even years thinking about a concept and then one day it's like lightning will strike and it'll come out on the page almost fully formed. And so that's what happened, albeit it was somewhat forced this time since I just really needed something to jumpstart my creativity again. But it worked. I wrote this picture book on a Friday. I revised it over the weekend. I sent it to my agent that Monday and she subbed it on Tuesday to two editors I'd worked with previously. And a few weeks later, we got an offer. So again, the highs and lows of this industry are just absolutely wild. This month, I got lucky and sold not just one book, but two. And sometimes it happens like that, but usually it doesn't. So I'm trying really hard to just stay grounded in that fact. And yeah, just keep doing the work. Woman on fire.
0: Oh, that's so awesome. when it
2: rains it pours i guess
0: in a good way yeah <laughs> this is a good rain this is a good rain. it does sometimes feel like you're in a drought as an author this is awesome
3: <laughs> congrats just kind of goes to show like i also feel like this industry is just a bottleneck of blessings and congrats on the unclog
2: <laughs> what does that make oh, me think it, of like
3: a runny it, stuffy nose
0: you uh, have the best of probably- Monica. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right. I was like, allergy. let
1: me write that down <laughs> bottleneck of blessings. Can't find the heartbeat. I'm like <laughs> hanging on your words right now.
3: Well, this answer is not as poetic, it's more tactical. So, besides my book that's currently out on sub with my agent, as an agent, I currently have seven projects out on sub from various clients, and I'm working on a few more illustrator pitches because I also represent illustrators that I want to get out by the end of the year. And the book I sold back in the summer, it's in the really early stages. It's a graphic novel with First Second, which is an imprint at Macmillan, and it's set to come out in 2027. So there are a lot of moving parts that need to happen before that publishes. But yeah, that's the update. I tend to forget about my own book that's on sub because I have all these other projects that I'm also tracking, which is a good thing. But then also I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> I wrote a book. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what? Where is it? <laughs> and then i that's when the spiral happens. <laughs>
0: I think it sounds like a good indication that you're a good agent who does right by her clients. So that's awesome, and congrats too. That's crazy that it's that far out, but that's really cool.
3: Yeah, usually with graphic novels, since those are sold on proposal, there's a script, thumbnails, letter. It's just like a really big process, so it could take up to that amount of time to get it out in the world. But I'm really excited about it.
0: Okay, so I have one book that's sold, and that is in production right now. And this last little while, I have been getting all this marketing and publicity updates. And this is a very different experience than I had with my first book. Going along with how I'm kind of in a drafting desert right now and I'm doing my best to just keep gritting my teeth and bearing it. But that has been really something lovely this month because just based on talking with lots of other authors, I know sometimes like so little happens and it's just really nice to know that something will happen. You know, whatever it is, at least something will happen. And in some ways that's very different than my experience with my first book. So I'm grateful for that. Let's move to the next question. What are your hopes and goals for the next month, including goals for your work in progress or your contracted projects or projects that you have on sub?
1: I hope to keep on trucking with my biography of Ida B. Wells. I want to avoid the landmines of working through the holiday season. So by front loading the work, I hope to avoid working slash crying on Christmas and New Year's and my birthday like I did for the past three years. So I'm trying. You know, your girl is growing up, and and I'm putting my big Girl Pants On. Lakin has helped me with this pacemaker website that really helps track your word count for the day and tell you what the word count for subsequent days and weeks you need to keep track of to stay on schedule. So I've been trying to use that and just really buy it off incrementally instead of doing a nano NaNoWriMo situation where I'm writing 50,000 words in a month. I I think it's a cool concept. I've done it before, but I also do think that it reinforces a lot of my bad writing habits that really damage my mental health and my relationship with writing. So yeah, it's a finish my manuscript fall for me.
2: Speaking that. of both of those things, pacemaker and finisher book fall, we will put both of those links in the show notes if anyone wants to check those out.
4: My goal obviously is to finish this book that has been the bane of my existence and to keep with my boundaries. Good news, I quit my retail job because seasonal is hard. And I was like, I'm not gonna have any time to write. So I quit that job. And because I quit that job, I got a full-time teaching job. So I was a substitute teacher before, but now I'll be like lead teacher in the classroom, first grade. So I'm excited about that. But I guess I'm just hoping that I have time before and after school and that I'm not going to be too burnt out to write. (laughs) Like I don't know if I just put more on my plate. Hopefully not. But my goal is to really be a good steward over the time that I do have to finish, but also show up for my kiddos.
0: We'll see how it goes. I'll update you guys next month. That's exciting, Charity. I'm a teacher too. Like and you are too, right?
2: Yeah, I was a high school teacher. Yeah. I did sprints during my lunch break. I would get to school really early to try to beat traffic. And I would do sprints in the morning before I started, you know, prepping for the day. Honestly, when I was teaching, that's where I learned the value of sprints. So that might be a helpful thing to like practice.
4: I'm gonna work on it. The school day's a little bit long. It's like seven to four thirty. Oh,
0: that is yeah. long.
4: Yeah, that is long. Yeah, so I think I'll try to do that, like get there a little bit earlier if I can. We'll see.
2: (laughs) So I'm in the process of drafting my second I Can Read book. I sold two of them to HarperCollins. I don't know when they'll be announced, but the first one is finished. And so now I'm working on the companion. I hope to have a strong enough draft to send to my editor by the end of the month. I am also challenging myself to try to write almost every day during the month of November. I'm not technically doing Yano. I don't want to trigger any mental health episodes, (laughs) but I do like being more productive in the fall. And I know Charity, you've mentioned before that like fall vibes really work well for you. And I feel the same. Fall and winter is just when I come alive. Like my brain feels more creative for some reason. Physically and mentally, I'm just happier during this time of year, probably because it's not 110 degrees like it is most of the year here in Texas. But because I want to take advantage of that energy without burning myself out, I'm just doing, you know, six days a week, about 600 words a day, and me choosing to do this cozy challenge is mostly due to financial reasons. One thing I really want to be candid about is that even though the novel I just sold went to auction, we only sold North American rights as opposed to world rights. So the advance is actually pretty modest. And because of the size of the advance, as well as the payment schedule, it's technically only going to buy me six more months of being a full-time author. I think I've talked before about how for me, when I'm budgeting my advance checks, I'm always thinking in terms of time and how much time each advance check is going to buy me. So unfortunately, this advance is not going to buy me as much time as I would have liked. But the hope is that once the manuscript is finished, my agent will be able to sell those foreign rights to individual territories. And that could possibly make up for what we missed out on by not selling the world rights and could even yield us more. So there's still hope, but basically the financial anxiety I was feeling before this new deal is still there. And so now I'm sort of being forced to finish the horse book sooner than I'd planned so that I can try to get it out on sub by the spring so that I can try to get an advance check in the fall that will hopefully sustain me through the end of the year. So that's primarily what I'll be working on for the foreseeable future.
3: I think my hope, for next month is that I feel more confident about my own submission, especially after strategizing with my agent next month, seeing what other imprints that we can submit to. Hopefully hearing back from a few. There's two that I really want to just rip the band-aid or tell me you love it sort of thing. But a goal that I can control is building that habit of writing every day, even if it's just a 15 minute sprint, which I have learned I can't do anything longer than 20 minutes. My brain just doesn't work like that. Can just know if we're ever doing like a 25 minute sprint, I, I automatically just start talking at minute 20 and then they know, oh, it must have been 20 minutes. Her internal my- body <laughs> clock is like the timer sometimes it's exactly incredible <laughs> and then i try to drag them down with me and then quickly I'm like i'm so sorry please continue i'm just going to stare at the wall for five minutes uh so anyway so i want to make that the habit so that it helps contribute to the goal of making writing an equal priority in my life again and as an agent i really hope i can sell one more book by the end of the year so fingers crossed
0: I obviously had kind of a rough month. I didn't also tell you that I realized that there is some very expensive research I need to do on my novel, where I am going to need to have some translators help me and do some travel, and it's just kind of overwhelming and probably not the right phase of my life to do this. I've got some things going on in my personal life, besides being a mom. I have some things going on with my own mother as she hits older age where I just don't see how I can possibly travel the way I need to travel to do this research right now. And so I would say in terms of hopes and goals, one of my big hopes and goals right now is to find a way to put some of these things aside in a way that will leave them ready when I can come back to them and also will feel okay. You know, we'll feel like, not like failure, but just an understanding of the process. So that's one of my big goals. My other goal is, you know, I eviscerated my picture book this month. I just tore it apart. I am hoping for something whole to exist by next month, but we'll see how that goes. And beyond that, I've never done NaNoWriMo. I one time got one of these programs you're talking about, like Pacemaker that you mentioned. I got one of those and it told me that I wrote 20 words an hour. And I deleted that as <laughs> so quick. I just took it off my computer. I did not want to know that. I am a very, very slow writer. And so I could never do NaNoWriMo. But I do try during November to do like at least every day I write a paragraph. And then once you'd write that first paragraph, you just keep going, right? So that's my other goal for this month. Let's go to our discussion topic. We wanted to talk about agenting with our awesome guest and wanted to talk about what qualities should writers look for in an agent and what are some agent red flags.
3: I feel like it's important to remember that there are different stages in your relationship with your agent. So at the beginning, when you're first looking for an agent, the cardinal red flag is that they should never ask you for money. Agents, you know, work off commission. So when you're looking for agents, if anyone's asking for you for money, that's an automatic red flag. And when you're in the querying stage, make sure you're building a list that reflects their manuscript wish list and not the fact that you think that they're your dream agent. And once you get an agent, I think it's important to talk about communication preference and adhering to any boundaries that you both set within the working relationship. And as you continue to work with your agent throughout your career, this is where I'm going to switch the term from red flags to more data points. So collecting the instances where you feel like you're not on the same page anymore, or you're not being heard, or your agent doesn't have some sort of way to share updates with you that you can check on your own. For example, with my clients, I have a spreadsheet that I have up to date. It's a status document. So whatever's on there, that's my next step. That's what I just did. So if they don't have something trackable like that, they should be communicating with you what their next step is. And if you don't know, that's okay to ask. A green flag is being able to ask questions for your agent. That should be always an open door policy of asking questions. So good communication communication is key. If an agent at any time makes you feel uncomfortable in any way, or you're sort of start doubting yourself as a writer, or makes you feel not as confident as you were when you first started working together, I'd say that's a bigger data point. And it might be time to figure out if it's the right time to part ways as you grow as a writer or you have a conversation with them to sort of strategize the next step of your career or the next chapter of your career. Maybe you have different goals or needs as an author. And that's why most people say when they part ways, it's amicably. It's because I do believe that the author agent relationship is a creative business partnership and not all business partnerships last forever. And that doesn't mean that you're a horrible writer or you're back at square one. It just Means that you want to find another creative business partner for this new chapter or a new phase or new category of your career. So the good qualities in an agent would be good boundaries. They're detail oriented. There's a lot of moving parts in this job. So good project management skills are great too. Communication skills, like I mentioned. It's really great when they're a great editor in terms of they're asking you questions within the manuscript that make you feel safe enough to expand your imagination. So maybe you were too shy to kind of dig deeper into a topic or a character, but your agent should make you feel safe enough to explore that before going out on submission. And they're really sort of like your main encourager. And if they're not giving you that confidence boost that you need after you get off a call with them, it's a really tough industry as it is. And it's really important to have an agent that believes in your work and champions it. We're all human, we all have bad days, but if you collect enough data points and feel like every time I'm getting off of a call with my creative business partner, I'm not feeling confident or encouraged anymore. If you start asking the question, what am I doing? And you're not really on the same page. Your agent should make you still want to feel like this is a dream and not a hamster wheel. So that should be your indicative. Maybe it's time for me to start thinking about what my next step is in my career.
1: I have two red flags to share. The first one is an unresponsive agent, just to kind of piggyback off of what Monica was saying about communication. I've been talking to a lot of authors recently, a lot of new authors, and the biggest thing I've been seeing is an unresponsive agent. So if your agent isn't getting back to you in a timely way, in my opinion, that's completely unprofessional and disqualifying, for me, at least. I wouldn't be able to put up with that. One of the things that I absolutely love about Carrie is that she's lightning fast with her email, and she's usually good about hopping on the phone and hashing something out. So I'd say definitely keep that in mind. And then the second red flag, and it's taken me a longer time to understand the industry and manage my expectations here, what's normal, what's abnormal. I think that when your agent is sitting on a submission-ready manuscript, that can become a red flag. In my opinion, that sub-ready manuscript needs to go on sub as soon as possible, because that's your sustenance for your business to keep your business going. That's your paycheck. That's your meal ticket. So I don't really agree with sitting on manuscripts. And then I guess... There's this like nebulous area of of growing pains with your current agent. You know, maybe your agent has a different vision for your brand and your future that isn't squaring with yours or you're growing as a writer and you're kind of outgrowing that brand. Maybe your agent is strongest in the YA world and not necessarily in new adult or adult There's some ongoing
3: considerations
1: and check-ins that need to happen with your agent.
3: One thing I'll comment on for sitting on a sub, there's one part of the year between November and December in this industry where a lot of agents might communicate to you that it would be best if we wait to submit this in January, because a lot of editors are Backlog. they're still catching up on submissions, it might get lost in the inbox. And so if your agent is sitting on a submission between the months of November and December and they communicate why to you, it's usually because they're looking out for your manuscript. Now, if your agent is sitting on a sub three, four, six months and hasn't communicated anything to you about the movement or hasn't shared with you the submission list or you know what the plan of action is or what the strategy is, but like if they're not communicating with you at that, that's a red flag. But I will say that there are certain months in this industry where it's not that editors are not working anymore. It's not that they're close to submissions. It's just that at the end of the year, it just would be better strategically to possibly send it out in January. Now that might be a different conversation that you have with your agent and you're like, no, I really wanna get this out and your agent should be working for you. And so if that's the decision, then I would always tell my client, okay, we can do that, but just know that the follow-ups might have to wait until the new year because they're gonna be out of office or you know, it's just a different strategy between you and your agent. But I would say it's a red flag if it is longer than three plus months. But if there's context behind why they're waiting on sending it out, it might be because of the timing of the publishing calendar year.
1: I think generally Q4 is not a great time to go out on submission, although you can sneak some stuff in.
0: October was clearly a good month for Lakin. Right.
3: (laughs) September and October are actually the ready, set, go months for agents. Like that's when we start sending things out again. August is more of the month where we see more vacation out of offices. So, our start of the fall, I guess, semester for submissions is always September, October is great. And then, like, last couple of weeks of November is when we start sort of like reevaluating am I going to be able to get this out this year or not? And then having those discussions with your client to see what the best strategy is can you
1: have an author that's going out on submission too much or is it okay to go on submission with a YA and then simultaneously or kind of overlapping go on submission with like a picture book and as I'm asking that I realize Lagan just did the exact same thing. <laughs> but I mean I is, a, is it I an audience? I muted myself to be like uh are you talking but oh, <laughs> <laughs> like is Lake in the exception is like or LA? I'm making okay. This is an intervention. Checking in as a friend. I'm going on sub too much. Oh, no, no, no. But I, like, I think some agents could make the argument that they want to buffer that frequency. And then you have other agents who have a get up and go attitude about that. As long as the submission pool isn't overlapping, then they're okay with that.
3: So I just wanted to know is there a consensus there? Where do you fall? I think it really depends on your relationship with your agent. I think Laken has communicated her goals in her author career to be like, this is her financial stability. I'm the kind of agent where I have to set a boundary for my own mental health. I'm in still the first five years of my career, so it will be year two in February. I set a boundary with my clients where we only go on submission with one book a year because that's my personal boundary and that's something that i communicate immediately in our first you know sign-in meeting i'm very transparent on that that's just because of my being able to balance my workload and make sure that i sign clients that i can give a hundred percent if i'm only on commission and have only sold one book you can do the math on how much i'm making as an agent right now but It's more so to balance my trajectory of my career, maybe sometime in the future when I feel more established as an agent financially, I can be able to take on more than one project per client. I do have some picture book clients where I might consider depending how long I've been on sub with them for, or in any category, if we're ending the road of submission and I've sent it to pretty much everyone, at what point do we start thinking about when do we send out the next project? And one of the things I do with my clients is whenever I send something out on sub with them, we career strategize, what's the next thing you're going to work on while we're out on sub? So that once that is finished, I can read it, review it, have it ready to go. That's just a personal boundary I have to set with myself as an agent, especially in these first two years as I continue to build my list and hopefully make this a sustainable stream of income that every agent is different.
4: As far as like what everyone's saying, I completely agree. Something that I think every writer should look for. And an agent is someone that communicates really well. I like for my emails to be answered. <laughs> not like three months later. At this point, I'm on my second agent, which is just a really long story. But one thing I've learned is a red flag for me is I'm a non-confrontational person. So I want my agent to be a very confrontational person. Like they're not afraid to hold the publisher or the editor, marketing, publicity, whoever it may be accountable for the things that they do say and promise. So just an agent that's not afraid to kind of like poke at the publisher or poke the editor to get things moving along is one thing that I've learned.
2: In my debut author bootcamp, we actually spend a lot of office hours talking about agents. I've been running the bootcamp for a year now and in that time I have advised several debut authors on leaving their agents and often that came about through conversations we had in office hours and them hearing about my experience with my agent and the other participants experiences with theirs so it really is helpful to reach out to other authors when you have questions about how that relationship could be or should be functioning. And then also trust your gut. If you feel like things are off, like you're not being prioritized or respected, you're probably onto something. The other information I was going to share is basically what Candace said. So I won't repeat it, but I know that because Candace and I are both full-time authors, our agents being able to take, you know, multiple projects out on submission over the course of a year, working with us across different genres and age categories is really important for us financially. But like Monica was saying, you have to express that specific goal or need with your agent. To make sure that they're the right fit for you and also if your relationship is not functioning in a way in the beginning that facilitates you reaching that goal you might just need to have a conversation and then that agent can adjust and work with you differently and you know prioritize your projects differently one other thing that i will say since i always want to try to give some advice that is specific to marginalized creators especially BIPOC creators is that agenting is a lot about relationships And agents spend a lot of time talking with editors, meeting with editors over Zoom, phone calls, getting coffee, getting lunch, like when they go to conferences, finding a time to meet one on one relationship building is really important. And just like in real life, sometimes we are drawn most to people who have similar cultural ethnic backgrounds to us, similar life experiences. And so if you get a sub list from your agent and it has only white editors on it, I would say that's a red flag. And I'll give you an illustration of why I think this is a red flag. I mean, it's probably for obvious reasons, but (laughs) when I went out on submission with this project that sold in October, I had a very diverse list because that's super important to me. The editor that ended up requesting the first zoom call was an editor of color. And although we did not end up selling the project to this editor, because they requested it, I was able to go back and nudge all of those other editors and create this atmosphere of excitement and urgency, which led to the other editors putting their hat in the ring and then it going to auction. And I just think statistically, it is more likely if you're a marginalized creator, that a marginalized editor is going to identify with your manuscript. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best fit in terms of who to sell it to, but having them in the mix increases your chances of selling that project, of breaking into the industry if you're a debut. And so I would ask in your agent phone calls about relationships with editors. Do they already have some editors in mind who they would want to pitch to? Then go into Publishers Marketplace and see if all of those editors are white. (laughs) Or if it looks like or seems like that agent is really targeting the right people and knows how to build important connections, not just on behalf of themselves, but on behalf of
3: their marginalized clients as well. I would add that that is a green flag, that if your agent has a diverse list, especially because you're looking for someone that's going to advocate for your book, there are some categories and genres, especially in the adult market that might not have as many BIPOC editors as the kid markets do, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. Personally, me as an agent, it's my responsibility to meet with BIPOC editors to make sure my list is as diverse as my client list is. That's just my personal mission and initiative into this industry to try to pair my BIPOC clients with BIPOC editors to get our stories out there. It doesn't always work out that way, but to Lakin's point, it can sort of help build excitement around a novel. It gives you that hope. It does help. Just kind of always being in an internal audit of what books am I reading as a reader, making sure I'm reading BIPOC authors. Am I querying BIPOC agents as well? Like in every state of your process, you should be auditing The more that we all collectively do that, the more our voices can continue to be heard.
0: Let's move on to words of wisdom. Monica, did you have something that you can share with us?
3: I always pick a word every beginning of the year instead of resolutions. And my word for this year was community. And I sort of let the word define itself over time and really wanted to sort of let it take over all aspects of my life. And one of the things I really felt hard or intimidated by with community, in the writing community specifically, is feeling like I belonged because everyone sort of has different goals, different processes different milestones everyone is at a different stage in their career and writing itself can just feel really isolating because it is sort of like a single player sport and it's just been so serendipitous of an experience finding writer friends this year and support groups like this where transparency and the realities of publishing feel like you're not alone in the marathon of this journey so my words of wisdom are While it's important to keep your eyes on your own painting, I also feel like it's important to build community so it doesn't feel like you're alone. I recently attended this beautiful virtual conference a few months ago called Margins, which is put on by an organization called The Word, a storytelling sanctuary. And one of the quotes that really stuck with me that they said was, go fast alone, go far together. And I've talked about, like, I'm an author that writes a lot about identity and sort of uses writing to heal myself and it can be really hard to connect with people that get that process and so I say if you're thinking about reaching out to another author or maybe a writer that you've been following on social media just do it because you really never know if you're going to find your people without putting yourself out there and maybe commenting on "Hey, I saw that you were doing finish your book fall I think I'm doing it too like what are you writing about like something as simple as that which I know can be scary but the more that you sort sort of reach out the less alone you're going to feel in this cathartic soul-searching journey of the paper trail. I needed to get a bite in. I needed to get the sound in. Wow. <laughs> and that's my mic drop.